Welcome to the She Built This podcast, where we are sharing the stories of professionals and entrepreneurs who are on a mission to create the new norm by following their dreams and making them a reality. I'm your host, Emily Aborn, and together we are inspiring, growing, and giving you the tools you need to bring ideas to life so you can build whatever this means for you. everyone. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, happy Wednesday. Um, While you are listening to this, I am probably either about to be or already traipsing about in Maine with my husband, Jason, for the week because we are finally taking our first break of the summer, if you can believe it. And I know you're like, "Uh, summer's almost over. And I know this, but we have had a very um, jam-packed project-wise summer. And so it's time for a much-needed getaway. All right. So here on the She Built This podcast, we have been talking about money all month. You got to hear a fantastic conversation with my guest Kim Dawson last week around pricing, scaling, growing, niching. Uh, I shared my own unique spin on how our words can make us money as they create connection with the right people. And you also got some insider insight on sales from Nikki Roush, the sales maven at the beginning of the month. And if you didn't catch any of those, uh, the link to all of them will be in the show notes. And if you're like, wait a minute, Emily, hold the phone. I don't even know what you're talking about. What are these episodes, these hidden gems, these things that I'm missing? This might be because you're new here and you're just not caught up yet. So don't worry, we will get you squared away. So for those of you who are new here, I'm Emily Aborn, as you heard in the intro. I'm a freelance content writer and the founder of She Built This, which is a po- this podcast. And it's also a community for women entrepreneurs where together as a group, we share resources, we encourage one another to be who we truly are, and we grow. We grow with the support of this fabulous community around us. And so if you're a woman in business, and maybe you haven't found your people, the She Built This community is a free Facebook group. And I say Facebook, and then I'm like, it's not like normal Facebook groups, okay? It's not spammy, shysty, hustle grind. It's all about like really truly participating with one another, being a part of something, walking alongside each other as we build our businesses, the businesses that are really allowing us to live the lives that we desire, the lives that that define success for ourselves. You can learn more about all of that at shebuiltthis.org and we would love to have you. And if you're local, meaning like if you live in New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Maine, or somewhere nearby, um, I do wanna also invite you to join us. We're having an upcoming in-person event in Laconia, New Hampshire on September 29th. I'm collaborating with Jody Gallant of JMG Marketing and Business Strategy to bring the first ever She Built This Lakes Region event to the Lakeport Opera House in Laconia, New Hampshire. We're gonna have a totally stunning time. It's a really community building, collaborative and participatory event. This isn't just like a whole bunch of speakers talking at you. Uh, We have a roundtable discussion, which is going to be happening. So it's kind of like you'll be getting to listen in on five New Hampshire entrepreneurs and hear our stories of success and failures and pivots and everything in between. We also have vendors participating in the the event. So you can actually like see, touch, smell, feel, and taste some of what New Hampshire entrepreneurs are building. And there's going to be tons of relationship building opportunity or networking if you prefer the term. Um, 
and so much more. The She Built This events, they always have a little magic to them. And I really think that that comes down to the unique community of individuals that come together for each and every single one. It's like this energy that I can't even describe to you exactly yet because it hasn't been created yet in exactly this way. But I can tell you that the event we had in the summer, the summer gala, uh, here in Milford, New Hampshire, was stunning. And it was a electric day, an inspiring day, a day of connection and growth and warmth, as some of the participants described. And it's where I first heard today's guest, Kendra Kearney, share her story, which really moved me. And so I reached out and I wanted to... Co- talk with her more because I really strongly connected to Kendra's why as well as her definition of success and just how even in a let's let's call it for what it is like even in a really saturated industry Kendra lets her true care and compassion for other beings be her driving force and that is what sets her apart and I'm going to get more she'll get more into her story in the episode but uh, just to read her bio Kendra Kearney is a financial advisor at Rise Private Wealth Management, which is based out of Bedford, New Hampshire. And I brought her on because I believe that Kendra brings a deep sense of purpose to each and every client that she works with. Growing up, Kendra witnessed as her grandfather, the breadwinner in the family, was the only one who'd had any interaction with their finances and wealth. And when he passed away, Kendra was only 17 years old. He was just one year into his retirement. So Kendra took her grandmother to her first ever financial advising meeting and sat down and the advisor did not even know who Kendra's grandmother was or what her needs were. And it was this story that fueled inside of Kendra to make it her mission to help people feel empowered and secure by understanding and participating in their financial journey. She's worked in financial services since 2004. She loves the emphasis on the client experience that Rise helps her cultivate. And Kendra really loves working with clients who shares the same values that she does and who have big goals and dreams, which she's going to get into more in today's episode. In our conversation, Kendra shares her unpopular opinion as a financial advisor, how she's found success in being herself and working with those who she loves working with, and then also what she really wishes everybody knew and took into consideration when it came to their money and wealth management. Uh, With that, I know that intro was short and sweet, but I really want to just let you listen and I will see you on the other side of my little trip to Maine. Hi, Kendra, and welcome to the She Built This podcast. Thank you for having me, Emily. I'm very excited. I am too, because I heard you speak at the She Built This Summer Gala, and I was really drawn to your story and like the meaning behind what you do. And there were so many times that I like wanted you to jump in and expand on your answer or ask you another question. Um, And now we get that opportunity. So I'm very excited to have you. Yes, thank you. So to start, um, I'd love for you to share, especially for those who weren't at the event, like a little bit about your backstory and how you got into financial advising. Like tell us a little bit about like what you were like growing up and then anything that sort of helped you to get on the path that you're on now. Yeah, happy to. So my backstory is very interesting. It's somewhat sad, but it helped me find my purpose, right? So 
When I was young, I was adopted by my grandparents, which was awesome. Um, however, you know, they were much older. So unfortunately, my grandfather passed away when I was a senior in high school. He had cancer. And he was absolutely the breadwinner. Um, he handled all the finances. He did all of that sort of thing. And it's not as if he passed away unexpectedly. Like we knew it was coming. We knew for over a year. Um, so one would think that we would have like, they would have prepared my grandmother. He didn't. Um, and I remember it was a couple of weeks after he passed away. My grandmother asked if I would attend a meeting with their financial advisor. And at this point, I'm like 17 years old. I have no idea what this guy's going to say. You know, we walk in and he was incredibly nice, very, very smart individual, um, very good at his craft as an advisor, except for one big thing that stood out for me was we sat across from him and he looks at my grandmother and he goes, and who are you? And he had absolutely no idea who my grandmother was. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh. My, my grandfather's financial picture was all planned by this guy, but now he's dealing with my grandmother, who at the time was raising me, taking care of parents. Like he didn't plan for her at all. So it was that moment I thought to myself, all right, well, I like money, right? And I saw a need that perhaps more women were finding themselves in this spot, um, especially that generation. So kind of fast forward to where I am now, right? So I had assumed that my career would look something like I'd be sitting across the ta table from, you know, little old ladies, little widows, um, trying to help them through their financial, their new financial life now that their spouse is gone. And it actually the complete opposite happened. Obviously, I've helped many of folks like that along the way. But I now sit across from really powerful um, women. And it is just so cool to see that transition. And I'm so just elated that I was, I'm able to be a part of that for so many people. So that's kind of my backstory and how I got into the business, really. I love that, that you have such a, like at such a young age, you kind of had like this knowledge, like, ooh, that is something I want to help with. And I'm sorry that that happened to your grandmother. Um, Just out of curiosity, how long had this man been managing your family's money? Oh my gosh. So he was like a mem. I had heard his name so many times growing up, never knew really what he did. Right. I was just a kid, but he was working with my grandparents for probably 20 years. Wow. Which was just wild. And like I said, it's not a knock on him. He was a phenomenal advisor, super smart guy. He just kind of got into that position where sometimes, you know, you only meet with one member of the family and perhaps, you know, you, you've got to know the whole story, right? Um, and her story was so different than my grandfather's, right? So it was just very interesting. And, and again, it, it sounds cheesy, but I found my purpose sitting in that office that day. And I imagine that that informed the way that you operate too. Like I'm, I'm big on customer service and like learning about people's dogs names and their kids names and their spouses names and like what they like to do for fun. So I imagine that it sort of informed like how you now show up with your clients where you're like, I am going to learn about the other members in your family. And you're right. It's not, it's not, wrong what he did. Um, but it also goes to show like how your grandmother, like, it's like she, she probably didn't need to worry about that, but also maybe she wasn't empowered to learn about that, you know? Exactly. And, you know, 
Finances are very, they're tricky, right? They're very private for a lot of people. But, you know, I think sometimes you get lost in what people have versus what they're dealing with, right? And that's kind of what happened there. My grandfather was very, very successful, ran his own business, ended up being a senior executive at a big company. Very smart guy. But again, like, they, he didn't know any of their story, right? They didn't know that he was take, they were taking care of me, like and right. that he was taking care of parents or that the biggest component was my grandmother, unfortunately got diagnosed with something called rheumatoid arthritis when she was like in her early thirties. So as you can imagine, that just kind of takes over. So there should have been some planning for like long-term care for her and there wasn't. So, it, you know, in the end, it was kind of sad to watch because she ended up in a facility and it kind of drained her. And had some of that planning happened more proactively, the outcome may have been a little bit different. But again, you know, everybody lives and learns. My goal in life is to make sure that other people don't find themselves in that spot um, if I can. So let's talk about like the journey to become a financial advisor. Like, let's just say somebody listening is kind of interested in, in doing that for themselves. Like, where did you start with that? Like, is that something you go to school for or how does that happen. Yeah, my start is very different from a lot of my peers. So my start was I actually started as a bank teller at a little bank back in the day called Fleet. Maybe you remember that name. I, I um, do. Yep. Big up here, right? So I started there and I had expressed that I was interested in that path, right? The wealth management path of things. And it just so happened that we had an advisor that sat in that office and I told him, I said, Hey, you know, I'm, I'm really interested in doing this, but I haven't, I, I was 18 years old. I hadn't even gone to college yet. This was just like a job for the summer, you know? And he said to me, he goes, well, there's an opening on my team to, to be an assistant. You just have to go and get licensed. And I thought, okay, like what's the big deal. And he had said to me, I'll never forget it. He's like, it's just a small test. Well, the small test was what's called your series seven, um, which is no, no small test by any means. So I actually got fully licensed for my job, which you need to do to be an advisor, right? Series seven and 66. And usually you need your life and health and a few others along the way, even before I stepped foot into the university. So I had had all of my license before even walking into school, which was oh, wow. interesting. Um, and then I ended up going into school for finance and macro microeconomics, just because it's something that I'm interested in, right? But yeah, there's you, you definitely need um, those licenses first and foremost. And obviously, you know, I, I've said this all the time, like schooling is very important and things that you need to. But my real life experiences is what kind of helped me through um, and kind of accelerated me into where I am right now. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, what do you think is like sort of a misconception or myth about what you in particular do? <laughs> the biggest misconception, and this always breaks my heart when people say this, is they'll come to me and say, I don't have enough money to work with you. And I, it, I, and it saddens me because I always hope that I never hold myself out like that, right? But there's this misconception that you need to have, I mean, think about it. Our company name has the word wealth right in it, right? So right. you automatically assume I need to have some sort of some significant wealth to work with an advisor. That is absolutely untrue. Um, in fact, the earlier you start working with an advisor and on your financial planning, your goals, the more likely you are to achieve them. So that's a huge misconception, right? If you're willing to um, listen to me, 
um, take some guidance from me, those sorts of things, and you're just a good overall person, I don't care how much money you have in the bank. I want to help you achieve your goals, right? Um, so that is a big misconception in our world is that you need to have significant wealth to work with us. Yeah. And I think I even have believed that at one time myself as well. So I think that's a really good one to point out. Um, do you think that there's anything you, Kendra, would think or share with like, let's say a client you're working with that, like maybe not everyone in your field would agree with like kind of some unpopular opinion, if you will, or maybe here's another spin on that question, just to like give you different ways to answer it. Um, maybe there's something that you see other financial advisors doing that you're like, red flag. I think the biggest thing for me, and it's not, (laughs) I tend to be more conservative in a sense that, you know, I want clients to have adequate amounts of an emergency fund, right? In order to, if something crazy happens, let's say there's a global pandemic and you're out of work for a couple of months. I mean, none of us have ever seen that happen, right? But it could. Um, I want to make sure that you have proper emergency fund in place, right? Whereas some other advisors gets kind of caught up in the, let's get you invested. Let's do some fun, more of that exciting type wealth management stuff. So I tend to be more um, more conservative in that approach, which sometimes can feel a little boring, but I assure you it, it, it works itself out well um, if you're prepared for those things. Yeah. Conservative is not boring. Conservative no. is smart. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, Okay. Your industry is pretty competitive. And I guess my, my question is like, how do you sort of set yourself apart as unique? And like, do you ever compare yourself to other people that are seemingly ahead of where you are? Yeah. Um, I would, you know, candidly, yeah, of course you, I think you always compare yourself to others. Right. But one big thing that I learned and it took me a while, um, is that everybody is on a different path and everybody's at a different stage of their journey, right? And situations, depending upon how that works out, um, can put you in a certain spot versus somebody else. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'd struggled in the beginning of my career, um, especially comparing myself to others because here I was, I was once upon a time the youngest advisor in the room. I'm not anymore and it makes me sad, but I used to be the youngest advisor. Oftentimes I was the only female too, which I'm not anymore, which I'm super happy about. So it, it, it's I struggled at times um, to find my place, but I believe wholeheartedly that what keeps me apart from others is the fact that I have been through real life experiences, number one. Number two, is being a female, and I'm not knocking any of my male counterparts, right? But we as women tend to um, pick up on, you know, social cues, I feel like a little bit better, right? Uh, I like to engage both, you know, if I have a family in front of me, um, spouses, I like to figure out like what their goals are and really dive in. Like you said earlier, learning the dog's name, right? Learning where the kids go to college. And if, you know, they get accepted somewhere, sending them a hoodie to the parents, right? It's just these little touches that have absolutely nothing to do with financial advising. It just shows my clients that I genuinely am listening and I, and I care very much about what's going on in their lives because I'm on this journey with them, which is exciting and fun. I think caring as a, as any service provider or really in anything that we're doing, I think ca- giving people the gift of caring is the best thing that we can do. Like that is such a strong way to set ourselves apart when we are 
more inclined to give than we take. And I think caring is one way that we do that. And listening. Listening Um, is huge. It's absolutely huge. People want to make sure you know what they want, right? And you got to listen to get there. And then this is going to sound super cliche, but I think you just have like a cool, like you have a personality or like a vibe that just like, you're cool. (laughs) And I feel like that's something definitely that sets you apart. Like you could even brand yourself as that, like the cool financial thing. I wish, I wish my 10 year old son was listening. Well, maybe he will be because he does not think I'm cool. (laughs) Well, don't believe him. Um, So when people come into your office and, and they sit down and they do share their goals and their plan. Um, what do you kind of see as a common, oh, as like common advice that you would give? So like w- something that you believe everyone really should do and consider when it comes to their, their finances and how they handle their money. Oh, great. That's a, gr- a great question. Right. And everyone's situation is different. The big thing is I love when I get in front of clients early right early on in their journey through life because saving money, oh gosh, it feels so just easy as that's the easiest answer and it's not complex, but you would be so surprised how many times I sit across from folks and perhaps maybe their company offers them a retirement plan, like a 401k and they're not contributing to it and their company matches them. And it's like, you're leaving money on the table. What are you doing? Um, and compound interest is a real thing. And I, and I, the biggest thing for me too, is, you know, especially younger folks as well, retirement and life happens quick, right? So it's like, you think you have all this time on your side and then all of a sudden, boom, you wake up one day and, you know, you don't, you you don't want to go to work anymore. You want to retire and you want to, you know, take care of your grandkids or whatever, travel, whatever it looks like. So my biggest thing is just start saving and start saving early. Um, That is the biggest thing. Pay yourself first, Um, which isn't fun, right? It's more fun to go out and go shopping and buy all this stuff because it's instant gratification. But I I assure you, start paying yourself first um, and never leave money on the table, right? Make sure you're getting the most out of the benefits from your employer if, if you're working. Yeah, I'd love to go a little even like to the root of that. Like you, you, you said one piece of it, which is like, it's just more fun to spend our money now. But what is really, what do you think is really stopping people from saving money? Like, do you think it is this um, sort of infinite mentality that just like hasn't shaken out yet. Uh, what do you what do you see that like stops people, or is it is it truly a matter of like we don't have enough to save right now? I think it's a combination of both, right? I think that our new world, right? Let's just call it what it is with social media. You know, there's always been that saying of like keeping up with other people, right? And now I think it's becoming really um, in your face all the time. You see folks on Instagram or Facebook, people buying things and show, and it's like you you almost think you have to do that, right? Like you have to keep up. Um, And then the other component is, you know, thinking that you have all this time, right? Time is so valuable, but it goes by so, so, so quick. And you're right. Inflation's a real thing. We're all seeing it right now. We go to the grocery store. It's ridiculous. We're, we're experiencing at the gas pump. It, it's a combination of things. It's just being very, very, very diligent about paying yourself first. Even if it's a small amount, those small amounts are big wins in the long run. Um, 
So I, I think it's a combination of things, really, to be honest. I think you'll appreciate this. Um, at the beginning of this year, so one thing I was finding last year is that like anytime I wanted a new book, I would just buy it instantly. You know, like, okay, just add to cart. And I read a lot of books. So let me tell you, that was a costly hobby. Um, So this year I said that I was going to be more intentional just in that one little place, like simply thinking through, A, do I need this book? If I get to read this book? And then B, can I get it from the library? Can I get it from a friend? Can I do a book swap? Like, what is another way that I could get this book? And I think I've saved, like, I've been keeping track. Um, I think I've saved like $400 so far in and I have read like pr- almost a book a week still. So it's just like little tiny things like that. And I know that that's like a little amount no, of money, but every little bit adds up, you know? No, and you're not wrong. Actually, I'll piggyback on that um, for a moment too, right? Amazon has made us spend money a little bit faster, right? Yeah. Like you see something, it's like add to cart by now. And here's the thing I've, you know, I've discovered both personally and professionally, right? And I kind of help clients through this too, is like, I, we have a rule in the house because it used to be like, we needed something on Amazon. You bought it right then and there. It's here in two days. It's phenomenal. Now it's, we build the cart and look at it once every two weeks, because you'll find that, you know, when you spend, you know, $9.99 here and there, not a big deal, right? In your brain. But once you have like $10 of and 10 things at $10, right? It quickly adds itself up. So that's been a big one that I have helped clients through too, is it's just like a, seems like an easy practice, but versus, you know, build your cart and then reevaluate it at the end of two weeks versus just buying instantaneously because those little things really, really add up. Let's, let's go one step further too. Um, so I heard recently about this guy that got a haircut at, I won't mention the ha- the place's name, but l- let's just say it was a $10 haircut. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he walks out and the ha- haircut totally stinks. And he goes to another salon, a little bit more expensive, like 20 bucks for a haircut and they butcher it even more. Mm-hmm. So then he finally goes into the last place, which it's like a $40 haircut and lo and behold, it's amazing. But that $40 haircut cost him, what did I get up to now? Like $75 plus tip, right? Mm -hmm. So the other piece of this like intentional spending is like there are expenses, big expenses, things that are costly. um, But when those things happen, like you want to be able to have the money to be able to afford those things because you didn't buy a whole bunch of cheap replacements along the way. So kind of like buying the best thing, buying the best quality when that's called for is going to actually save us money. Exactly. It's an investment, right? Essentially. Um, no, I absolutely agree. I love that story. That's cute. Yeah. Keep that one in your back pocket. because. I like that one. (laughs) Um, okay. So there are, um, some financial advisors who have come to me asking about like how to promote themselves on social media. This may or may not relate to you, but I'm, I'm curious how you manage social media and maybe even in your personal life, like, do you find it difficult to disconnect, but do you, let's start specifically with like, do you use it for your business? And like, where do you kind of lie with that? Absolutely. So Social media is both a blessing and a curse, right? So I use social media. I built um, a pretty substantial niche through LinkedIn marketing, right? So connecting with people that work in a given company um, and really focusing in on that because my mentality has always been, I want to be really, really good. I'd rather be really good at one thing versus okay at a bunch of other things, right? So 
I have taken a company that I just know their benefits inside and out and kind of have used that to build a niche. And I've done that through the help of LinkedIn directly, um, which is more of your professional platform, right? As for the more personal stuff like Instagram and or Facebook. So one big thing that's really important to me is I work with clients that I would be friends with right? And I work with clients that I respect and I want to know what's going on in their lives and just treat them like family. So I actually do um, connect with a lot of my clients on social media, Facebook, and I use it just as a way for me to kind of see what's going on in their lives, make sure I'm not missing anything, right? Um, and then obviously I'm very cautious about what I post as well. Um, try to keep it very, very light. Um, you know, pictures of the kids, try to keep it kind of, you know, more casual, right? Um, but I do have some pretty strong rules about disconnecting from it as well. Like there's, you know, I only allow myself certain times throughout the day where I go on to social media and then I, I got to put it down because you can just get sucked in. Yeah. Sure. Agreed. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about that ideal client. Like how did you learn who you loved working with? And then how did you start speaking specifically to reach them? <laughs> so I learned who I loved working with by kissing a lot of frogs. So <laughs> same, same. Um, I, in the beginning of my career, you know, you're building, you're in this rampant growth mode and I would work with everybody. Even yeah. if you were just the nastiest person on planet earth, um, it didn't like me, right. Um, I'd work with you. So I eventually got to a place where I, if you drain my energy um, in a negative way, I won't work with you, right? So, and then I just discovered that I really enjoy working with people that have big goals, um, people that, you know, dream big and work hard. And those are kind of been where I have gravitated towards. It's not male or female. It's not, I mean, I work with more females than not, but I adore a lot of my male clients as well. But I found them through, honestly, like I said, kissing a lot of frogs, right? Mm -hmm. Learning who I don't want to work with brought me to who I want to work with. Yeah, same. Um, and I think that's really valuable for people to hear because I think we hear a lot about finding your niche and niching down. And sometimes in order to do that, you have to learn a lot about like what niches you don't want to find yourself in. And that's okay. That's part of the journey and part of the process. And, and to your point, like when we're first starting out, we often do say yes to anyone and everyone mm -hmm. because we are trying to get money and cash in the door. Exactly. Uh, so that kind of leads me, and I hope this is an okay question to ask you, but I've always been curious, like, how is it set up for you to actually like get paid? Yeah. Um, are you an employee? Is it a franchise? Like how? Did Great question. Thank um, you. Happy to, right? So I am incredibly transparent with how I get compensated, right? Because I hate when things are hidden and aren't in my face. So we, I work at Rise Private Wealth Management, which is a franchise of Ameriprise Financial. I am an employee of Rise. So that's kind of how that sets itself out. And essentially, like I get compensated three ways, really. First and foremost is like through the financial planning process, sometimes um, gaps 
get you know uncovered and gap is kind of like a nice term for insurance right so if there's an insurance need there i'll talk with my clients about it and if they choose to move forward with something i recommend i get paid through the insurance company right yeah it's kind of how that works um and again i would highlight too because this is somewhat of a buzzword in our industry right like i act i work as a fiduciary which means that i have a plethora of different products that i can choose from and i work from uh, my client's best interest which i would do either way even if i wasn't obligated to do so so that's really the first way. The second way is through um, investment management. And that that can get kind of muddy depending upon what you have, right? So um, it it can be presented in a ver- variety of different ways. Um, and that's just, we. it's usually like a percent or a flat fee, something like that, right? Um, and then lastly, the most important way that I actually get paid um, is through comprehensive financial planning. Because as I said earlier, right? So Back to the grandmother's story, that advisor did such a good job managing my grandparents' money. He really, really, really did, but that's all he did. Um, he didn't look at any other piece of their financial life, right? He never dove into insurances, um, taxes, estate planning, like the big, big, big things that really matter, right? So that is comprehensive financial planning. It's looking at every piece of your financial life. So. I charge a flat fee for that service. And obviously it's based on um, the complexity of your case, right? Yep. So that's essentially how I get paid. It's really just three ways. Um, and there's a lot of flexibility and control in certain parts. And then some parts are non-negotiable, right? Like if you're, you've got in the, the flat fee for financial planning is what it is, right? So that is kind of, and it's fair and reasonable depending upon the situation. Thank you for sharing all that. It's something I've always, always been curious about. Um, All right. Now I would like to, before we get into the rapid roundup, which is like kind of what I consider, I mean, they're all fun questions. Let's, Mm -hmm. let's be honest, but those are the the really fun questions. Um, How do you define success? Um, That is such a tricky question for me. Um, So... You know, I think when you would ask me this question back, you know, years and years ago, my answer would be, oh, it depends on how much money you have, right? <laughs> like, I think that was always kind of my answer. And I'm not saying it's not part of it anymore, because obviously I still think that way a little bit. Um, but success to me is, you know, if everything were to be gone tomorrow, right? And you you were to be gone tomorrow, like what would people say about you? Mm. What would be the impact that you have had along the folks um, that you've in your path, right? Success to me means peace. And whether that's peace financially, um, personally, with family, it just means if everything were to go away tomorrow, would you be okay with looking back on your life and thinking, I did everything I could? Um, and I know that's kind of morbid and kind of sad, but that's kind of where I'm at because I would say my, I use my grandparents as an example. Grandfather's super successful professionally, super successful. Um, my grandmother was, uh, she, she took care of the family, right? She was the CEO of the household and that's kind of what she did. And I would argue that now that they're both gone, Um, my grandfather didn't have as many people, um, to pay their respects as my grandmother did. And I kind of look at that and think to myself, well, she was rather successful too, just very, very differently, um, than he was. So I think it's just being at peace, being okay with where you're at. I love that because we, we can, we can all define success differently and for ourselves. And for some people, it looks like, 
it doesn't look like more money. It looks like more time freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I think it really is a deep sense of peace that you are, you are building the life that you want to build and you feel good when you rest your head on that pillow. So exactly that everyone's success is different. Nobody has the same one. Right. Um, but that's mine. Yeah. Thank you. I love that. And I, I love that story. And you, you told it at the yeah. event really, really beautifully. Um, okay. Let's move to the rapid roundup. So what is something that is on your bucket list? Something that you really want to do and you have not done yet? Oh my gosh. So I don't travel as much as I wish, right? I've got a couple of young kids, you know, business has always been kind of uh, busy. So I would love to go to Bora Bora. That's on my bucket list. And I'd Fun. like to do that for my birthday. <laughs> when When's your birthday? I would like to do it for my 40th birthday, which is not far away now. Um, so sometime in March, but we'll see. Okay. We're going to cross our fingers for you that you might answer question number three with that. Um, okay. And then the, the next question is just for fun, but what do you typically eat for breakfast? Oh my gosh. So I am always in a rush because like I said, I have the two young kids. Um, I wish I could tell you, I have this wonderful breakfast every single morning. I do not. Usually I just eat whatever my kids don't eat. (laughs) so that could consist of um toast with jelly which if it's my daughter or it could be uh soggy frosted flakes if that's my son um but in an ideal world oh my gosh I would have a wonderful smoothie and maybe an avocado toast but that's where I'm at in my path at this moment honestly if I don't have kids but if I did that would be my kid I'd be like (laughs) are you eating the other half of that peanut butter and jelly because that will be mine that's my entire life eating whatever they don't eat. Um, okay. And then what's a goal that you have for your own life that you're, you're kind of focused on for the next, let's say five years. So my goal is interesting, right? Um, I've talked a lot about my grandparents and I, you know, this has always been a fun one and probably not one you're thinking of, right? My goal professionally is to kind of stay like continue to help people, right? I want to continue to make, uh, make a difference in folks' lives. I want to continue to be on the journey and be through clients' as first, which is, you know, buying their houses, starting a family. And then I want to be through clients' as last, right? When they have to, unfortunately, people pass away. I want to be there for all of it. For me, however, um, so my grandfather owned a Christmas tree farm growing up and uh, I bought my grandparents' log cabin. And it is a goal of mine, and it is slowly in production of resurrecting the the tree farm. So it's going to take a long time. Christmas trees don't take a very, they take take a while to grow, uh, probably about 12 to 15 years. But I would love to create that legacy for my kids because it was such a huge part of my life growing up. I love that. And one thing I love about, you know, I actually recently read this in a book called um, Passion to Profits. And she talks about like thinking about your goals for the next five years or what do you want to accomplish in the next five years? And the magic of that is a, it's achievable, right? Like it's, mm-hmm. it's five years. So we can actually like think about that and plan for that. But B, it should actually be aligned with what we are doing now. And that's what I loved about your answer. It's like, you are doing what you want to be doing for the next five years. And that's a really, that is success, right? Like yep. that's a successful part of life. So I love that. Um, okay. And then I would love for you to just share, like, how do, well, first of all, did I, did I not ask any question that you were like, oh my gosh, I really wish she asked me that question. 
No, no, I think you hit them all. I think that was, it was great. Okay, great. Um, I just like to give that opportunity just in case. And I'd love for you to share like how people can find and connect with you individually online. Oh yeah, sure. Absolutely. So it's really uh, actually easy to find me. Um, if you look up Kendra Kearney at Ameriprise, I will pop right up, right? I have my own webpage. It's under the Rise page. Um, you can also find us at the Rise Private Wealth Management. We have a whole team of advisors. There's a whole bunch of us. Um, so that's where you can find me. Um, that's really it. I'm pretty easy to find. Thank you, Kendra. Thanks for taking time. And I love talking about money to somebody that that works with money every single day and helping people to make better choices around that. So thank you. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. To learn more about She Built This and to join our community and get involved for yourself, visit www.shebuiltthis.org.